welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hi there, Editing Marcus again. Just to let you know that when we were supposed to talk to Morgan, it was the weekend, but I was feeling a bit under the weather. So we rescheduled it for the middle of the week, but I was at work, so I managed to find a room to record in, but it's like massively echoey. So that's probably why there's just a sudden dip in sound quality. However, the interview with Morgan was amazing. I know you're going to love it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus, and I'm your host. And joining me on the show, we have debut author of The Girl With No Soul. It's Morgan Owen. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Very excited. We were just talking uh, before the podcast went live, the fact that, you know, being a debut, all these firsts for everything, first book, first podcast. And so we want to get to know you a little bit more because, you know, you are a new author. You're excitingly out there with your debut novel. So tell us a little bit about your writing journey and about how you got to where you are now. Wow. Big question to start. I, I feel like my writing journey started so far back. I can barely remember. Like I was definitely writing stories when I was five and six, you know, I'm not saying they were good, but I was writing stories and um, going to the headmaster of my primary school and showing him in pride because I thought I'd written something really, uh, you know, life changing. Um, so always is the answer. I, my grandmother, actually, she, when I used to kind of go and stay with her, we would get these sheets of paper that my dad got, just plain A4 sheets of paper, and we'd fold them up and make our own little books. So we'd draw the covers and tell the stories. And hers were quite weird about ghosts and things. Um, mine were about Sylvanian families and just, uh, yeah, animals doing things. Um, so, yeah, that that started really early for me and just never stopped. So I was always kind of that kid who was excited to go home from school so I could just hang out in my room by myself and read a book. <laughs> and um, I remember um, my parents taking me out shopping on Saturdays and we would go to WH Smith's. And I would go and pour over the point horrors that I remember the point horrors. I had to have them all. I would buy a few in, in a go if I had enough pocket money. And then I would read them in a couple of hours and then just be sort of bereft. You know, it didn't last very long. I'd need another one. So they were great. And yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm one of those people. I've done a lot of different things, done a lot of different jobs. Um, I didn't study writing at uni. I, I don't have a degree. So I worked in PR and marketing and I did a bit of editorial stuff. I used to live in London. Kind of boring. Yeah, lots of sales jobs. But um, somehow, yeah, I, I, I found my way here. And I just never stopped writing that whole time throughout everything. So yeah, and of course, a lot of writers uh, explain the fact that there's multiple books they need to get to the one. I wonder, like, at what point uh, Girl With No Soul sort of came about? Like, was this years of graft and grind? Has this gone through multiple and multiple revisions at some way, way back? It was something completely different. Or did you have like a couple of other like novels that you went out and tried to get agents with and, and sort of did that process with them? And it wasn't until The Girl With No Soul came along that you found the agent or possibly you just you found it on submission? 
Yeah, um, a, a little bit of all of those things. So um, I first wrote a, my, my, I've written two books <laughs> so far. And the first one I did get an agent for. Um, so that was actually quite a while back, um, I think in 2000, 2010. I mean, we're talking quite, yeah. So I, I did write one whole novel before. It did go out on submission and it did get sort of looked at by two quite big publishing houses. At one point, it really seemed like it was going to go and it was really exciting. Um, and then at the last minute, yeah, it was a nope on both. And um, it was one of those weird things where I could have maybe revised certain things and tried again with it. But um, I just found like I couldn't do that. I had lost that motivation or maybe I'd moved on as a writer and I needed to write different things. So I just floated around for quite a few years, different story ideas every few months. This is the one. This is the one. Um, literally hundreds and hundreds of outlines on my computers. Um, and then this actually this came from me saying, I think it was on Twitter. And I said something along the lines of, what if when you're born, pieces of your soul get hidden in objects for you to find later, like a book or a song? Um, and yeah, that, that's where it came from. I remember quite a few people liking the sound of that concept and it grew from there. Um, but this kind of happened quite quickly for me, actually. Yeah, it, I, it, the book wasn't in a complete finished state when it sold in and um yeah, I don't know how else to put that. Um, so I was then got given a green light and um, went ahead. And it, yeah, so this whole thing's been kind of a whirlwind. So if I'm still struggling to process it emotionally, I don't really know. And I'm learning a lot, obviously, getting a crash course in publishing because I wasn't really part of that world before. I did work as a bookseller, actually, at Waterstones. So got a little taste of it then. But um, yeah, uh, in answer to your question, it, it, I had an agent for a really long time, wrote another book, lost my way a bit actually didn't know what I was going to write found this and actually yes same I, I think sometimes you have a great idea and it doesn't come together all in one time you know it takes a little bit of work and you go through things and it slowly pieces itself together kind of like a shattered soul <laughs> and then finally it all clicks and yeah that happened quite recently so yeah, there's a great story there and like perseverance about, you know, the whole fact is you're looking at a long, I mean, the fact that the, the Girl with No Soul was coming out this year um, from Scholastic, March the 3rd, it's been released. And so you're sort of going, so 2022, you finally get to hold onto this thing that you made real and you start your journey, what, 12 years ago? There it is. Um, <laughs> Got to show beautiful, beautiful yeah. cover design as well. It is absolutely sensational. I'm so lucky to have a cover like that. Yes, I, I, I mean, every time I look at it, oh, enchanted. And it, it really helps because it has been doing the rounds on the book Twitters and the book talks because I think it is so beautiful. And the concept you mentioned earlier, the concept just gets people. Um, you mentioned there a little bit about the, the concept being the first thing that came to you, the idea of someone having their soul shattered in pieces. I wonder then when you sort of developed in and started thinking about who had their soul shattered where did iris come from and that whole sort of idea of our protagonist yeah um i generally am one of those writers that comes up with a world or a concept first i'm quite a big concept reader as well that's always a thing that hooks me in um and then after that then i really want to create a strong emotional journey and a character who is flawed but relatable hopefully so i mean she's a lot of things she's um 
she's someone building themselves back together after a traumatic event which I feel like a lot of people can relate to that sense of losing their identity because of something bad that happens to you and how you have to then reroute yourself in the things that you love you know it's like an old song that you might listen to that takes you back to your teen years and you'll be like yes yes I remember who I am this is who I am and who I've always been and that's quite centering so she's also someone who is going through this search for identity and even though her circumstances are quite unique I think that search for identity is so universal um, and that everyone everyone is building themselves whole as they go through life Um, and sometimes that is about the songs that we listen to and the books that we read the films that we watch and um, how those things become connected to the memories so we associate a particular book with a particular time period in our life and the emotions that come with that so she's all of those things but she's also kind of a fiery roar against sort of tyranny and uh, this this political world that she lives in which is very corrupt and hypocritical in a lot of ways um so I she was a little bit of a, a voice there for some things that I was feeling um and I wanted to yeah I wanted to create someone who wasn't necessarily super likable all the way through but um but had like moments that shone through that you know and I like a character who's quite complicated that way um, and I like characters that make bad decisions. I think it, it's more interesting to read. Um, so, yeah, she's all of that and all of me and a lot of people I've met throughout my life. Yeah. And, you know, it's you could say she's probably more spark than anything in that regard. Um, but those who've read the book will know. Um, but obviously, this is YA, and which means we have to have a dreamy, steamy, and somewhat complicated romance. So I wonder when uh, Evander came into the picture, like when you start to develop him, and of course, the twist. We must talk about the twist. Okay, which one? <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. Don't want to give too much away, but, you know, yeah, okay. that first initial Evander, you know, okay. where did um, he come from? He was very, he was part of it very, very early on. I would say that the the curiosity shop kind of meeting um was something that I had in mind it changed a lot I'm not going to lie but I had that in my mind really early on and he is perhaps more of me even than Iris is I definitely am a shadow soul I did the quiz it's official and I I relate a lot to his sort of habit of um kind of disappearing into himself and creating this interior world where he can be safe because the external world is so unsafe Um, and he has his own identity crisis obviously a bit different to Iris's but um, there's definitely lots of parallels that kind of draw them together and they see themselves reflected in each other so they're kind of working out what that is but yeah he his sort of journey was it's quite a a deeper one Um, he I mean, some love, you know, some love interests, they serve just to be a love interest, I suppose, uh, to be just, and that's great. I mean, I love those books too, but I wanted him to be someone who had his own quite um, deep and complicated backstory to match Iris's. Um, so he is every bit a part of it as Iris's, and they were both conceived really early on. And the twist was definitely uh, something that was earlier than some other twists that happen later on. 
yeah, it's always a journey to fit the little ideas you have together um, and create that patchwork. And sometimes through the editing process, that gets really crystallized and you can see things really clearly and beautifully. And that was my experience with it because it's quite complex in its way. There are a lot of things that I had to keep in the air and um, yeah, confuse myself a lot at times. But um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I can see actually where you say like he was there from the beginning and interesting that you talk about the editing space because I was wondering you almost at some point I was like you could have almost had this as dual POV you know with sort of like an Evander arc and a, an Iris arc and yeah. then obviously they crisscross but uh yeah I wonder was yeah. it always just Iris's story in that uh, in that regard so she was always going to lead that might be just because of me though because I love a first person narrative like I love to throw myself into that and yeah. become that person and that really helps me write like it helps me with the senses actually um you know the senses are quite an important part of the plot but they're a great writing device actually someone told me this years ago to always think of the senses when you're writing a scene um what can you smell what can you see what can you hear and how that really can create something uh, vivid so I did at times really consider the dual POV but because of this great like unity this great I mean to me writing in first person um that is really immersive and I really enjoy it I I it's I think I might struggle actually to write any other way but we'll see um but it is something that's very much in my mind and because of that sensory aspect because I like to create a protagonist who's really rooted and that we can see through their eyes I will probably tend to prefer that first person, but do it in a way that illuminates the stories of everyone around Iris. Because I think there are other um, sub characters, minor characters who have really like rich kind of backstories or could do if we get to spend a bit more time with them. So, yeah, hopefully I can do that through the first person perspective, but it's something to consider and have thought about. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I too, it's one of those things where you read it and I think you're right, getting immersed in Iris's point of view. And also, you know, there's such an importance on memories in your story as well. And memories are so personal. So you do need that personal character touch of being in their head, feeling their feelings, taking in their senses. So it definitely matched. It definitely made it such an enjoyable read and that sort of style of, of reading uh, a story in, in the deep depths of the narrative you kind of need to yeah I think third person would have worked but it's interesting that you considered and it'd be interesting to see where other things go um and speaking of where other things go that takes us nicely as a segue onto this debut book coming out lots of stuff going on you know how are you feeling it's going so fast Scholastic has put a lot of, into this you you mentioned earlier there is literally a quiz to find out what type of soul you are you're getting almost like a lead title on this how is it feeling what are your emotions it's quite terrifying um yeah like there are so many it's a roller coaster is the honest answer I've had some really extreme highs um and also some lows where you're suddenly gripped by how much work goes into a book not just you but all of the editors who are involved in the process the people in in publicity I mean it's it's endless you read a writer's acknowledgements and that's how you get an idea of exactly how many people birth a book with with the writer it's your name on the cover but you you know there's a collaborative um, work there so it's quite frightening to have those expectations and all those dreams for yourself. Um, but on the other hand, 
it's also the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me and it's my dream since I was five or six I actually would walk around saying I'm going to be a writer and so on that level it's quite surreal and like with all big things in life sometimes you can't properly feel it in the moment you're just sort of floating yeah you're, you're floating you're like this is unbelievable this is fantastic I know this is great but I'm also a little bit fuzzy I'm I'm just on a cloud and um, watching it all unfold but being totally here for it in every way I'm, I'm just in the moment up for whatever and seeing as it unfolds so yeah exciting terrifying all of the things oh well I'm glad to hear that because it is it does sound like it's an absolute whirlwind it sounds like you're obviously like you said this manifestation of a a dream you've had since you were five or six and now it's real it's there you see it you can walk into Waterstones or you know uh, you know sort of go you know in America at some point you might find yourself over in America and you might find yourself in Barnes and Nobles and you suddenly see like oh my god that's my book dream that's a dream isn't it I yeah absolutely but it's very difficult to even process it I think yeah but processing that of course and you mentioned expectations obviously most writers don't just want to be one and done they want to write lots of books that makes me think what is next on the plate for you Morgan what are you working on Hmm. well I don't know what I'm allowed to say you know well okay what I can say um when I signed with Scholastic it was a two book deal so there is another book coming it's going to be in this world and I'm not sure I'm allowed to say any more than that to be honest but yes this is not the end of this world and it's not the end of Iris and Amanda's story yeah we like our secrets in the publishing business don't we everything keeping you on tender hooks that's what I think is the anticipation me it's me not wanting to you know uh, being kind of naive am I allowed am I allowed to talk about the book Mm -hmm. I'm writing uh yeah um can you tell us where you are with it very early stages okay um, and I believe the plan is for later this year I'm very reluctant to say any more specifics than that, mostly because I don't know. Um, (laughs) But yeah, just not knowing things is often how I cope and get through. Um, Yes, just point me in the right direction. Um, So hopefully, yeah, this is the first of many books if I were to be so lucky. Um, But yes, there's definitely a second one coming unless there's a big disaster of some catastrophic portions. And yeah, I'm really excited about it because you learn so much writing and publishing your first book that that you're then like, oh, wow, I could be even better now, hopefully, um, just from the things that I've learned through the process. So that's pretty cool. Oh, bigger and better does sound amazing. And we're wishing it all the best. Uh, the Girl with No Soul is out from Scholastic. It came out 3rd of March last week and you can get your hands on it right now. So why are you, ah. you know? Yeah, get out there, get it. Go find your, your local friendly bookshop and get them to get you a copy. Fantastic there. But wow, uh, speaking of looking into the future, I'm looking into the future and we are rapidly getting to the end of this week's podcast. So that means we must be on to competition time. Yes, it's time for our competition where one of you lucky listeners is going to get your hands on a copy of The Girl With No Soul. How will you do that? Well, you're going to head over to our Twitter at Big Kids Book Club, all one long lovely word. There you're going to enter our competition caption with a retweet and a like and use the hashtag SoulComp. SoulComp all together with the hashtag and answer this quick quizzy question. Now, obviously Iris is tracking down a lot of these uh, pieces of her souls which have been lost in certain items throughout the book. You'll find out what sort of items they are. 
but it gave me an idea. Obviously, we like to have fun sort of quizzes here. So if you could say one item that would represent sort of your soul and something that you would sort of uh, imagine your soul could be lost in, what would it be? Uh, Morgan, I'm going to come to you because I always love to put authors on the spot because they love that. Absolutely. Um, what item sort of best represents your soul? If it would do. Uh, Oh, if you throwing that it. in, it's like when someone asks, what's your favourite book or something? Yeah. Um, okay, well, they usually say, like, the thing you think of first is the honest answer. And then what you think of after that is what you tr- what you want to be or, you know, something yeah. like that. So the first thing I thought of, actually, was this tiny little teddy bear that my dad bought on the day I was born. Aww. From the hospital where I was born. And I've had that my entire life and slept with it for many, many years. So I can only imagine the kind of, you know, emotion that is ingrained within it. Um, so that would be quite a powerful one, I'd imagine. <clears throat> I'm, I'm sure I could have come up with something a bit more uh, interesting or out there, but that's the honest answer. So. Yeah, we like honest. Honest is brilliant. Yes, absolutely. And obviously your soul is, you know, so inherently you that it has to be the first. I think you're right. I think the first thing that came to my mind was probably... I've always been very sporty, so probably a bit of sporting equipment from something I've played. You know, I've played pretty much everything. But my, my real loves are stuff like cricket and American football. So I'd probably end up having my soul in like a cricket bat or something like that. Nice. Or- yeah. I mean, yeah, there's so many interesting aspects to it because you think about the science of it and what materials would be better. And but I think ultimately nothing matters more than the connection that you have with it. And so you you already know, you already know what your objects are because they're the ones that come to mind. And that's exactly. how you know. So, there you yeah. go. Well, they are Morgan's and mine. But what could be yours? Do you want to tell us? I'll enter in with that hashtag soul comp onto our Twitter at Big Kids Book Club. And we're going to pick one of you lucky listeners to get your hands on a copy of this fantastic book. How's that sound, Morgan? Absolutely amazing. Um, great. Good luck. And to anyone who reads it, thank you. Thank well, you. thank you, Morgan, for, for coming to the show. Unfortunately, we are pretty much there. We are done and dusted now. But I do want to say thank you for coming to the show. We're wishing you and the girl we know so all the best here at the Big Kids Book Club. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been really fun. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. No problems. Now, I'm not going to completely let you disappear. And do you let our lovely listeners know where they can find out more about you and your books? Is there a website or some social media they can track you down on? Yes, yes, this is something I should have probably mentioned, but I am uh, also creating an Animal Crossing Island based on the book, which is going to have a dream address release, which is, uh, well, actually, it's already happened, but you can go to the dream address, which you'll probably be able to find on my Instagram profile, which is sailor.crossing, don't ask, um, or you can find me on Twitter at Morgan Owen YA. Um, I'd love to see you there fantastic and to you lovely listeners we hope you enjoyed this week's episode don't forget to go over to our twitter at big kids book club to enter this fantastic competition but while you're there you'll also find more fantastic posts and prompts from us about our other material our midweek book reviews and other additional content we're doing and you'll also find more at our website bigkidsbookclub.com there you have all of that content plus there's some additional articles and an entire archive of the podcast so if you have missed any of the over 100 episodes now you can always go back and find one of your favorites there. But that's all the time we have for this week. So until next time, all I can tell you is to take care, to stay safe, but most importantly, to keep on reading.